You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. My name is Rhys Kiaina. I want to welcome you to the Metro LA region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service tonight. I want to wish a, a, a shout out to our family in LA as well as our family in San Francisco and those uh, tuning in from all over the world. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Look forward to having a great midweek tonight. You know, our world is finally moving forward and reopening. Thank you, Jesus. And as things unfold... Let's use some common sense as we interact with each other uh, and be patient with one another as things unfold in, in L.A. The L.A. leadership will be in talks on how we will progress as a church. Till then, let's be prayerful. In the summer, you know, there, there's a lot of great things going on so far this summer. We have two more weddings coming up. We are currently right now in in-person services by ministry, and I hope those of you who've been coming out to that have been encouraged by our in-person services, as well as, you know, those of you who are uh, online, awesome. You know, we're encouraged by many who are online listening to our online services. We're praying that we can meet together as a region in the month of July, <clears throat> so let's be prayerful for that. Let's pray, and then let's dive into our lesson. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in the world today, and we pray that we can understand that your spirit is far ahead of us, calling us into new realities, learning to uh, slow down in our lives so that we can uh, listen to your whisper, to your call. And we pray in our Bible study tonight as we look at the kingdom of God uh, that we would be inspired, challenged, convicted, and, and make the changes necessary for us to do great spiritually. God, we love you. Bless our Bible study tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're re doing the last lesson of our series called the Kingdom of God series, and I hope that has been en encouraging to you and your and your faith. Uh, as always, my sources that I've been using for our study have been these three different books right here. Uh, that has, and if you want to get them, go ahead and get them. Dive into it. There's so much to learn about the kingdom of God. And as we've been talking, there is a kingdom way that God has set up so that we can learn how to do things God's way rather than just our way. And, and I hope that, you know, as we've been going through this series, we're learning about the kingdom or Basileia, Basileia, which means kingdom or reign and that the kingdom of God is breaking into the present and that it's where right relationships are and it's learning to live life under King Jesus. And it's a foretaste of heaven today. Like we don't have to wait, right? It's the age to come breaking into the present age uh, and disrupting it in a way that produces godly kingdom results. We The, the lesson I did two weeks ago was called Kingdom Characteristics. Last week, we talked about the upside down kingdom and, and four different principles, right? We looked at obedience is freedom, first is last, loving your enemies, and weakness is strength. And these are countercultural principles, uh, to the world there. And so if you find that they're difficult to do, it is difficult to do because it's so contrary to the way we normally think. Tonight, our lesson is the upside down kingdom part two. And I just want to talk about one principle and one theology from a German theologian that I studied about in my fourth semester of grad school. 
And in John chapter 12, in verse 20 to 26, in John chapter 12, in verse 20 to 26, it reads, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And the first principle I want to talk about that is upside down is this principle right here, is that life comes through death. That life comes through death. You know, Jesus gives the illustration of a kernel of wheat to show us his own death. That even in the natural world, there is self-sacrifice, right? If a kernel of wheat is not planted in the ground, it stays only a seed. But if it's planted in the ground, given moisture, it germinates, begins to rot and die. And in death, a green shoot protrudes and new life comes forth. It died to what it was to become something greater than its formal self, former self. Because of the death of that one seed, a plant will grow and produce more seeds. You know, in the insect world, you know, uh, the prey mantis, right, understands this concept. You know, after a male prey mantis mates with a female, he gives his life by getting eaten by the female. Poor prey mantis. You know, and here's a picture of that. Even in death, there's new life. As a, as a male prey mantis mates with a female prey mantis, you know, in death, new life is born. Poor, poor male prey mantis, right? But the female ends up laying 300 eggs and the possibility of 300 baby prey mantis come into, come into view as a death occurs. You know, and so this idea of life that comes through death is a principle that is all throughout the Bible. In fact, it's very important to understand this principle because it's rooted in the cross. But this is a tough teaching because most of us are just not in a hurry, right? To die to self. Like who's really in a hurry to die? Most of us aren't. Uh, but that's where the power of the gospel is. It's in self-sacrifice. It's in the death of Jesus. In Romans chapter 6 and 1 through 5, you know, life comes from death at baptism. And that's why baptism is such an important thing because we're participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's where dying to self and, and God brings about new life, new family, new purpose, new vision, new relationships, new kingdom, and most of all, new creation. New creation comes out of death. And that's a very important principle to understand. What if Jesus never died? I want you to think about that. What if he never died? What if, what would the gospel be about if Christ never died? What would the good news be about? I mean, I, Think about people studying the Bible with you. Think about those who studied the Bible with you. What did they have to die to you, die to? What did they have to die to in order 
to spend the time, money, resources on you to help you become a Christian. I mean, I look back, I studied the Bible for a month, and I studied every other day. I, I mean, I studied a lot in one month. You know, I, I can't even tell you how many meals I had, how many times three to four different brothers were giving their time. I mean, I'm sure their lives were busy. I'm sure it was difficult. You know, I'm sure things were, were, were not going perhaps the best in everyone's life at that time. And, and they had to make sacrifices in order to get with me. And I, I'm so appreciative. And it helps me to understand this principle a little bit more. Think about our special contribution. What? Imagine if nobody ever gave a special contribution. Where would our global fellowship be? You know, we have over we have over uh, four hundred churches. You know, in our fellow family global fellowship. But for many, they all started with people giving special contributions. Right? Imagine if nobody gave a special contribution. What would our fellowship look like now if people didn't sacrifice like that? Imagine if no one made time for one another. You know, the power lies in the death. And in school, you know, I was taught to learn to look for the spirit surprise in difficult and chaotic situations. That when we're going through a pandemic, what is the spirit surprise in the midst of that? This, this term of Advent eschatology. It's this idea that, that a disruption in the here and now presents an opportunity of God bringing about new creation in the midst of that challenge. And isn't that a great thing? Like it, it makes me look at challenges differently because of God's participation in it. I'm not saying God is the one causing the disruption, but I am saying that in God's world, he can bring about so many positive things because of a disruption. My problem is I'm so used to paying attention to the problem in front of me. I'm not attending to what the spirit may be doing right in front of me or in that situation. So think about it right now. Are you going through a tough time right now? Advent eschatology would, you know, is this idea that in the midst of a difficult time, God's participation in it can bring about something positive that you perhaps may have never ever considered until that situation went down like that. And so let's pay attention to the surprise that may be right in front of us. You know, uh, an example is, you know, uh, over a year and a half ago, I lost a close friend and yet I gained others in the LA church, eight new other friends in the LA church. And as difficult as that was, you know, I still pray for my friend. I've still, you know, go through different challenges there, but I'm, I'm grateful for the new possibilities and the new creation of new friendships that came about. I gained a whole new cohort in school. You know, look at our region now as we went through difficult times. Uh, you know, we went through a time of division and transition, yet God is taking care of us in our churches in a completely new situation now with the career coming in and and just the new creation that has developed during a very, very difficult time. Life comes from death. And so if you, what do you have to die to today in order for God to, to, to use you in a more powerful way? What do you have to die to? Because we do have to die. And it, and, and just like last week we talked about when Stephen was, was, was learning to forgive people while he was being stoned, you know, there's a glimpse of, 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 Jesus standing at the right hand and perhaps the reason why that Jesus was standing because he was so moved by being able to see Stephen live out a principle that's very very difficult to live out 
Perhaps Jesus will do that for you and I as well as we learn this principle that life comes through death and that we can learn to valiantly die to ourselves. It's a challenge, you know, and I want to talk about a theology for a minute because just like I talked about Advent eschatology there, this idea that a disruption can bring about new creation uh, and, and there are things that that can hurt us in that time. There's things that we may even experience like a death in our own lives that, that ends up bringing about new creation. It's this also this idea of cruciform theology. The, the theology behind life comes from death is this cruciform theology that, that, you know, I got to learn in my fourth semester and it, and it is a powerful theology. It, it's another way of saying, it's a fancy way of saying the way of the cross, basically. But cruciform theology, uh, it, it, a guy I studied is this man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, in the, uh, a book that he published was called Letters and Papers from Prison. He's not the one that published it. Uh, one of his good friends is the one that published it. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a courageous German theologian that exemplifies this idea that life comes from death. And, and he was a German theologian, Lutheran pastor, and founding member of the Confessing Church that resisted the Nazi regime in World War II. He was arrested and while awaiting trial, wrote a series of theological letters that while in prison, he questioned the state of Christianity and how far they had fallen from the God of the Bible. He saw how in the 1940s, Christianity literally lost its way where he was at, and there was that there was no difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. It got so bad that the church had partnered with the state, with Adolf Hitler, and committed atrocities against the Jews. And so he started a church to stand and fight against this the, the state, you know, against Adolf Hitler, and he was in prison for conspiracy. And on April 9th, 1945, he was executed at the Flossenbürg prison camp at 39 years old. And, and the, and part of what his, the, his book was on that his friend ended up writing is he wrote a series of letters and papers while in prison trying to make sense on how did Christianity fall from grace like that? How did, how did they get to a point where you could not tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? And how could the church be complicit in atrocities against the Jews? And he was trying to make sense of all that. And how can that all be turned around? And, and what he came up with is a series of letters that was all about a cruciform theology that, that the essence of the gospel, the essence of God is all in how Jesus died in the cross. And, and his writings have lived on in the hearts of all those who follow Jesus in a secular world. It, it's a profound type of theology. Bonhoeffer's prison letters were challenging because it highlighted this idea of cruciform theology. He reminds me of the Apostle Paul writing from prison, awaiting trial and possible death, but all the while thinking of others. He certainly prescribed to a cruciform theology where Jesus is at the center of Christianity and putting Christ back at the center on the cross. The human, he says, the human being is called upon to sharing God's suffering at the hands of a godless world. Cruciform theology is what I learned from Bonhoeffer. That it was all about God's reconciling power through Jesus on the cross. That Adolf Hitler was on a mission to destroy life. And God was on a mission to save life and suffer for him and those taking life. 
to make space for the sinner, the abuser, the Adolf Hitler, if you will, and love him and suffer for him. This kind of theology is powerful and can change the world. And here's a here's a uh, one of the quotes from the book. It says, "The church is the church only when it exists for others, not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ." to exist for others. And this whole idea of cruciform theology, though, is about Jesus dying on the cross for those who don't deserve it, that he's going to make space for, for, for those who have gone their own way and perhaps don't deserve grace and love and the opportunity to, to have a renewed life and new creation and possibly one day uh, get to go to heaven. But but that's where all the power of Christianity lies. It, it's in the cross. It's it's learning to suffer and to die valiantly. And that's what I want to encourage our church with tonight. You know, is is to prescribe to this theology, which I know all all of you do. But to to get it dig even deeper into this kind of thinking and way of living that is cruciform in nature. That we will learn to die every day in our Christian lives because there are things we must learn to die to. You know, our own, and, and I want us to think about our, think about your dreams, your opinions, your values, your, uh, not values, but your dreams and your, your just opinions and thoughts about how things should be in the world and all that. And, and think about it as an egg and hold and put that egg in your hand and hold your egg tightly enough so that it doesn't get crushed or break, but loose or gentle enough so that, you know, so I mean, hold hold it tight enough so you can it doesn't fall, but loose enough where you don't you don't just crush it, right? Uh, you don't want to, and and I think sometimes that's what happens with our own opinions and and our own, even our own dreams sometimes that that don't necessarily coincide with God's. I want to encourage us to just just hold on to those things lightly and be flexible on debatable issues in the church because that's what our that's what we're having to deal with in the church now. You know, pandemic, virus. M- vaccines, masks, you know, what should we do in the church? What shouldn't we do? Should we do this? When are we going to reopen? When do we not? Should we meet as a sector or a region? Whatever, whatever the case, right? On all these debatable issues, let's hold it like that would be flexible in it. And, and sometimes we have to prescribe to this kind of theology where we learn to die to our own dreams sometimes so that the kingdom dreams can be put forth in front of us and God can be glorified through that. I'm not saying throw away our dreams. I'm saying God's dream should should be the thing that is always on the forefront of our hearts and minds, though. Amen? And so think about that, this kind of theology. And so when you go to your discussion groups tonight, we just looked at two things, right? We looked at one principle that life comes from death, that that this is a huge principle that is upside down. It's not natural. It's something that your, our eyes must be focused on Jesus in order to, to, to do it in our daily lives. Well, where does, what, where does this thinking kind of come from? Well, it comes from a cruciform theology that everything is rooted in the cross, that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And so we must learn to die as well. And it has the power to change the world because it's rooted in love. That's why. Why is this theology important? Why is this principle important? Because it's 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 the theology of God, that God is love, that God will lay down his life for the sinner, for you, for me. And so as you go into your discussion groups tonight, why do you think, 
What do you think about cruciform theology? What do you think about this theology, this way of thinking? As well as why is it important as we talk about issues going on in the world today? Why is this theology important as we go about talking about the different challenges in the world today? So think about that, amen, in your discussion groups. What did we learn tonight? Well, we learned our series. We've been doing a series called The Kingdom of God. Our lesson tonight is called The Upside Down Kingdom. We learn one principle, right? That life comes from death. Remember, if you're going through a difficult time right now, pay attention because new life may come from that. It's a principle that when something dies, new life generally comes forth because of that death. So look at your life for a minute. And whatever the challenges you may have going on, New life, new creation may be coming about because of that. The second thing we learned is a theology, a cruciform theology, that the theology behind life comes death is all rooted in this ability to die, ability to be valiant in death, that we're going to put God's God's wants, His desires, His needs before our own. And as we die, God produces amazing results because of that. And so tonight... I just want to encourage you in your faith as we are wrapping up our series on the kingdom of God and to put into practice some of these upside down principles. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.